What's going on, everyone? The date is February 8th, 2013 at Free Admission For Real, com. Also on iTunes, my name is JP Nichols, here to bring you the latest edition of Be Nice to Impact or Not from the October 19th, a.k.a. February 7th edition of TNA Impact, for those of you that watch Community. Hence October 19th. <laughs> but uh, pretty decent show here on Impact. Not really much overly great. Uh, one really great moment, I will say, that I will get to. But uh, lots of stuff that was sort of just middle ground territory, I would honestly say. And let's get right into it. Open up the show with Aces and Eights coming to the ring, including Garrett Bischoff and Wes Briscoe. Devon took the mic first, said that not only are they dominating 2013, but they're kicking the front door in on TNA. Uh, it ended up going to a video package uh, chronicling uh, all the history that Wes Briscoe and Garrett had with Kurt, which I thought was sort of strange bit of editing, honestly, but what can you do? We then had uh, Devon give over the mic to Garrett who the crowd did not like at all, and he did not really do much to even get them to hate him. He just simply talked a little bit, just said simply to hell with the fans, and says he has a new family, and passed on the mic to Wes, who had a better promo at least, but, <coughs> excuse me, not really much of one either. He at least said that his motivation was uh, that Hulk Hogan caused him to join the group by forcing him, a Briscoe, to start at the bottom of the company. And he said that with aces and eights behind him, it's time to climb the ladder. Devon got back on the mic and told Hogan to understand one thing, that the aces and eights always have an ace under their sleeve. Pretty underwhelming and lame promo would be the word I would use. Uh, Garrett pretty much had like no motivation at all for joining, other than it's something for him to do. Uh, and he gets to be with his friend Wes. Uh, Wes at least had somewhat of an explanation, but again, this group, I mean... The, the group as a whole pretty much has, like, a lame explanation, if there's an explanation. Well, actually, there is one. It's the fact that TNA has a crutch, and that it was the big top-heel stable dominating television. So, it's the best I can offer. Saw Tara and Jesse Goddard backstage, uh, crying to Brooke Hogan about having to fly coach to the UK. Brooke scolded them for being selfish, and banned Goddard from ringside during Tara's match later tonight against Miss Testmacher. Goddard's asked what he's supposed to do, and Brooke told him to go get a coffee for her. Not happy about that at all. We had Kenny King make his way to the ring for our first match of the night. Uh, triple threat match for the X-Division title. Rob Van Dam defending against Zima Ion and Kenny King. Pretty okay match. Uh, a bit clunky at times, but fun all the same. Zima Ion is just on such another level right now. I mean, I've always been a fan of him, but... Over the last year, during his time in TNA, he has just really developed a presence to him that really, really makes him stand out from everyone. He, he was by far, in a way, like the one that was most interacted with with the audience. I mean, crowd loved Rob Van Dam, obviously. I noticed that they were all singing along to his horrendous theme as, uh, as he was making his way to the ring. But Zima just has like a lot of really great ring presence, really awesome moveset to watch, perfect guy to have for the X Division, and it's a shame that they are not utilizing him more. And it's even a shame now, I mean, considering that it's now been four months since RVD won the belt from him, that uh, Zima's title reign got cut short 
because it was going along pretty well with some good matches against Kenny and Sanjay on pay-per-view, and then RVD came in, messed that all up, and RVD's title reign has been rather lackluster so far, to say the least. But it is what it is, and we ended up uh, with RVD retaining here as well in a pretty, pretty strange way, I would say. I mean, considering that finish happened when uh, Kenny King uh, ran full force into Ion with the double knees in the corner, picked up uh, Ion and hit a Northern Lights suplex with a bridge for the cover, and then RVD came off the top rope with a what was attempted to be a frog splash, five-star frog splash, but it ended up being just a splash. And he hit that on King, uh, and then made the cover on Ion, so in a sense, Ion lost to a Northern Lights suplex, which I thought was very bizarre. But, all the same, they tried to have, like, a better-than-usual triple threat match, where instead of having the two guys go at it while one's on the floor, they tried to do some triple threat uh, stuff here and there. But it was just a little clunky at times, but, I mean, all the same, it was still a fine match. We had Austin Aries talking strategy backstage with Bobby Roode. Uh, Roode says it's not about following either, either one's lead, it's about starting their own path. And Aries says once they win, everyone will follow their lead. We had a video playing uh, going over the British Boot Camp reality show that aired in the UK with the winner Rockstar Spud being announced to be on the show later tonight. Uh, and then... We also saw a clip of the opening segment from previously in the show. Um, on note of British Boot Camp, um, I have not actually been able to see any of the episodes. I was happen to be, uh, I did happen to be present for the finals of it though, considering they taped it, I believe, right after Bound for Glory, considering that's when all the guys were in the UK. Well, uh, Marty, Spud, and the Blossom Twins, and they both had matches, which they showed clips of the Marty and Spud match, particularly being very enjoyable. But uh, from what I could tell, the British boot camp actually looked pretty enjoyable. We had Bruce Pritchard backstage with D'Lo Brown. Both talked about how unexpected Briscoe and Bischoff's actions were. Bruce said that when Kurt Angle returns, uh, it's cliche, but there will be hell to pay. And then says that they're the ones responsible for Briscoe coming to TNA in the first place. Further hinting that D'Lo has some type of involvement with um, Aces and Eights. Back from commercial, we had Jesse Goddard's in the ring. Uh, he said Brooke Hogan has banned him from ringside for the for Tara's match. However, he's going to give the crowd what they want, a spectacular photo opportunity. But James Storm came out said the crowd isn't here to take pictures. They're here to drink and watch someone get beat up. Told Goddard he's going to kick the crap out of him, drink some beer afterwards. Storm called out a ref and told uh, Goddard to call his dentist. James Storm versus Jesse Goddard. Pretty much a complete squash match. Only thing that was really notable was Taz having a very silly line uh, over the fact that when Goddard was doing an abdominal stretch, he should call it a spectacular stretch. Very corny, but got a laugh out of me, at least. And uh, Storm ended up winning with the last call, mocked uh, mocked Goddard after, and then sprayed beer everywhere, all, all over the fans in the front row, and continues to be on a path that is just of running in place in TNA currently. Uh, we had Aries and Rude come out to Rude's music, each, uh, with each of them trying to one-up each other and posing. Then Chavo and Hernandez made their way out, and we had our tag title match at the top of the hour. Chavo and Hernandez defending against Austin Aries and Bobby Rude. Very long match. Like, I think without the commercial break, it probably went about 15 minutes. So, 
lots of credit to them for doing that. By the uh, second half of it, I thought it was a very, very enjoyable match. Uh, with Eve's the best match on this show, probably best match out of the last week, uh, well, last two episodes of Impact as well, with the cage match being the only real competition from last week. Uh, ending in particular was very, very good. Um, Rude pushed Guerrero off the top as Aries hit Hernandez with a low blow while the ref was turned. <coughs> they tossed Hernandez out to the floor. Aries did the IED drop kick on Guerrero as Chavo stumbled out. Rude hit him with a spine buster. Aries went up and got the pin with a 450 splash, uh, making them the new tag team champions. And actually, a bit of trivia, uh, trivia history for TNA, Aries is now the fifth Triple Crown winner in TNA behind AJ, Joe, Angle, and Abyss. Which, um, I think, honestly, um, if not for AJ winning them, well, actually, no, AJ, Joe, and Angle, I think, all had them beat in terms of, like, the time it took to, uh, get the Triple Crown. Abyss absolutely did not, but, I mean, considering Aries won the Exhibition title in September 2011, and then he just won the tag titles now in, uh, January 2013, he still did it pretty quickly, all things considered, especially considering that... Who really knew that they were going to push, end up pushing him as hard as they did last year when he ended up taking the world title? Also, one bit that was uh, rather inter uh, rather interesting. I don't know what was up with the commentary for this show, but Taz was making sure to really bicker with Mike Tanay all throughout the show. I felt like I was watching Raw in a sense with uh, the way that the commentary usually goes on that show. Because as Mike Tanay was running down the fact that Aries has... Uh, running down Aries' accomplishments as well as Rude's accomplishments, mentioning how Rude at one point was uh, not only the longest reigning world champion, but longest reigning tag team champion with one of his reigns with Storm. Um, Taz just decided to completely kibosh uh, Tanae's comments by mentioning how he has a boil on his ass, actually, and I'm just like, well, that was necessary, I guess. But that's uh, what they like. We had uh, Bully Ray and Sting getting ready for their tables match later tonight as Brooke Hogan watched. Hulk Hogan entered the area and Sting made a quick exo alongside Brooke. Hogan said it's all on Ray tonight to prove how wrong Hogan was about him. Ray says he's not no good guy and he's just good to Hogan's daughter. Says he hasn't forgotten what Aces and Aces have done to Hogan, Sting, and, Ray and Brooke the past few months. Says that he ain't no good guy, he's a very bad one. And says that it's on Ray to end it for all of them. Ray and Hogan pound fists, and Ray says, Consider it done, Dad, before walking off. And what seems to be a tradition every now and then, or at least like a monthly tradition, I should say, with a lot of these really random Hogan promos, is they will have the promo go on for a little bit longer than it needs to be, and they'll have Hogan mention some kind of line, and then they will quickly cut away. In this case, it showed Hogan saying, Perfect, right before we cut the commercial break. So... Not exactly sure why they're doing this, but it's not exactly really good thing to be doing. Just sort of killed any momentum that Ray was trying to build for himself with a promo. But it is what it is. We had a um, video actually highlighting uh, AJ's 2012 because he has not been seen uh, since, I believe, the impact after the December pay per view. <coughs> where he announced that uh, he was taking a leave of absence and that he was out for himself. So, I mean, good at least for them to have a video for this, considering that I think almost everyone has probably forgotten about him at this point. I mean, because of the fact that they've downplayed it so much. I'm just still hoping that when they do end up bringing him back, 
that they do not try to make him a heel, but I know that that's what they're going to do. But I just feel like with the way that um, with the way that the roster is right now, where you just have you have aces and eights on top, even though they suck. You have Aries and Rude right now. You've got uh, Daniels and Kazarian. And just adding AJ to the mix would make it too crowded, in my opinion. We then had Miss Tessmacher wait make her way to the ring. Actually, one note here. Um, I think the only other I only saw two other people, including Richard Trianfo, make a comment on this. As Christy Hemi was making the ring introductions for Tara and Miss Tessmacher, it sounded like she said, and I quote, "Knockouts tampon match." And I actually rewound it three times, and that's exactly what I heard every time. And I thought that I was crazy for hearing this, but then I saw Richard make a post saying that he had heard it as well. And I believe at uh, Well You're Wrong on Twitter also said that he had heard it. So it's like I don't know what that was that Chrissy Hemming was trying to accomplish there, but it was very funny all the same. I did not expect it. We had a uh, Terra versus Miss Tessmacher non-title match. Um, if you've ever seen one match between these two, you've seen them all. It was it was pretty well. Actually, I shouldn't say that, considering the December 2011 Classic will always be the worst. But uh, this match was it was going along okay, but then it just sort of slowed down a bit. Uh, Tessmacher made her comeback with uh, her with her uh, usage of TNA, I suppose, would be the at least PG way of putting it. Uh, considering that is her main form of offense. Um, the main story of the match as well was that Tara was basically shouting out for Jesse throughout the match and was like, I don't know if it was a matter that she was trying to impress him or was just trying to get him to uh, break Brooks' rules and come out. But it ended up costing her in the end as uh, we had Tara drop Tessmacher face first on the top rope and then Tara went towards the ramp, uh, was looking onward, seeing if Jesse was there. And then Tessmacher snuck up behind her and hit her with a test shot, got the pin. One, two, three. Tessmacher wins. Like I said, an okay match, but it sort of slowly died as the match progressed. We had uh, Jeremy Borash in the ring, introduced uh, the 2013 Bridge Boot Camp winner, Rockstar Spud, who, with the exception of... Um, the match that I mentioned earlier between him and Marty, I've not seen since probably uh, the UK Ring of Honor shows. I mean, at least in a vivid memory. I can't remember. I mean, I've probably seen him in a couple random matches here and there since then. But um, he had a bit of a look similar to uh, Chris Jericho when Jericho returned in 07. Short hair, uh, added sunglasses, leather jacket, leather pants. <coughs> um, he was... Uh, out to uh, soak in the adulation of the Manchester crowd. Borash congratulated him on his win. He said that he's finally where he's always wanted to be in this ring in front of his own countrymen. It's cut short, though, as Robbie E. and Rob Terry made their way to the ring. Robbie E. called Spud winning a contract travesty, then calls him a midget. Said that Spud isn't a rock star, called him a piece of delivery boy. Uh, Spud got in his face, and Rob Terry stand in the way between them. Robbie E. told Spud he's lucky, Rob Terry is holding him back, and if he told him to knock Spud out, he would. Robbie E. called Spud a piece of garbage, and Rob Terry does what he tells him to do. Rob Terry ducked down to pick up the clipboard that he dropped, and Spud was able to hit Robbie E. in the face, out of, um, and sending Robbie E. out of the ring. Uh, Spud put the devil's horns on Robbie T.'s hands as Robbie T. did his dance while po uh, posing together. And Robbie E. was in disbelief over the whole thing. 
but I'm at least happy that they do got Spud on the roster now. I mean, like, uh, from what I recall of him, even though I haven't seen him in a lengthy amount of time on a regular basis, <coughs> he was always uh, enjoyable from what I recall, and his match with Marty really showed that. But uh, I have to say, don't exactly see how putting him with Robbie E is the best way to try and portray him, even though it's a good way to get Spud a win at the end of the day. But uh, now we it seemingly got the big face turn for Rob Terry and his home country as well. So who knows where they'll end up going from there. Perhaps we'll get a big blow-off match at lockdown. Things no one has ever wanted. <laughs> but we got uh, Bully Ray and Stang walking the halls when they're stopped by Brooke. Uh, Bully Ray said he was going to put the war paint on. Sting shouted, it's showtime, and they walked off ready to go. As Brooke Hogan told uh, Ray, go get him, Tiger. So I guess Brooke Hogan is supposed to be Mary Jane Watson, while Bully Ray is supposed to be Spider-Man. Which is another thing I don't think anyone would ever make a comparison to, if not for that line being uttered. We had a recap of Jeff Hardy being attacked two weeks ago. Got an update on his MRI, and it's negative, meaning he'll be back on the show in two weeks. Just in time for uh, one of the last Rolando shows. Uh, we uh, then had Devon and uh, Doc make their way to the ring for the main event. Uh, Sting and Bully Ray came out. We had the main event, Sting and Bully Ray versus Devon and Doc in a tables match. Actually pretty disappointed in this match, honestly. Not like I had much anticipation for it. But with the fact that this was, uh, for one, to my knowledge, uh, Ray's first in-ring interaction with Devon, and I know that they were sort of trying to make that a priority a couple weeks ago. They didn't really play up on it too much until the ending. Um, considering the fact that this is supposed to be a big main event and um, Sting's revenge against like one of the leaders of Aces and Eights, I expected this to be a bit more of a brawl, and instead it just sort of was like very typical cliche brawling stuff, like nothing really too much in the way of like weaponry or going around ringside. I even thought they might even take it to the crowd. I thought that would have been nice, but instead it was just pretty boring stuff until the ending where um, Sting was going for a superplex on uh, Luke Gallows but Mike Knox ran out and moved the table uh, then uh, Devon accidentally hit Knox, Sting hit a death drop on Luke Gallows uh, Devon set the table back up as Ray slid back in uh, Devon attempted to punch him and Bully Ray did the typical Hulk Hogan complete with the U finger point which it was okay for a one-time thing, but if he starts making that a regular move of his offense, like Abyss did three years ago, that's just... No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Cannot buy into that. But uh, Ray ended up following it up with a big boot, and he ended up slamming Devon through the table to win the match, so Aces and Eights once again lose in a big capacity. And then beyond that, I mean, not even a attempted run-in to take out Sting and Bully Ray. We had Hulk and Brooke make their way to the ring to congratulate the winners. Hulk and Brooke raised Ray's arms in victory. Apparently Taz left the announce booth in disgust. Um, the four continued to celebrate as the show faded to black. The only thing that I could really think of is that this will mean that potentially the Hogan portion of the Aces and Eights storyline is over and then will translate to Angle and Hardy dominating it. Um, in terms of taking it to the uh, war to Aces and Eights, but my god, this group. <laughs> I mean, I said it before, I'll say it again, but they are just the biggest collection of losers out there, and it's really unfortunate because, again, 
know I'm repeating myself from last week, but I really love Gallows. I really like Knox. Wish that the two of them were involved in anything else and were at least doing something somewhat enjoyable instead of being stuck in this garbage. Even uh, Angle being stuck in this art garbage at all is unfortunate. And uh, Joe, too, to an extent. But it's what they're stuck with. Hopefully, by the time lockdown gets up, this whole thing can be potentially wrapped up, even though I don't see that happening. They're deciding to draw it out as long as possible, and no one's really going to get into it. But what can you do? So, overall, like I say, decent episode of Impact. The best thing on the show being uh, the tag title match um, with Aries and Rude winning the belts. Um, everything else, it was sort of alright. I mean, the opener, opening match was fine. The Storm and Goddard's match was basically a squash. The women's match was eh. And then the main event, like I said, it had a pretty good ending, but everything up until that point was a bit plodding to me. And I expected more out of it. But not a bad show, just sort of an alright one. And now we're halfway through the UK shows, so... Hopefully they will have some good stuff for next week uh, and the following week. And actually, as well, they um, they had a big announcement on Bellator uh, for TNA going forward. They announced some more television dates for uh, Impact going on the road. One being, I cannot remember where, in Arkansas, but that's for March 28th. They also announced one for Corpus Christi, Texas, I want to say, which would be the uh, following... <coughs> following TV da uh, date. They also announced one for Georgia on June 6th, so perhaps Ben of uh, Free Admission will be able to attend that one, since I will no longer be able to attend televised impacts. <laughs> so, they at least are getting the, um, the dates out there in advance enough for them to be able to draw crowds, so hopefully everything will end up working out for them. And also, one other bit that I will mention before I sign off is that like I ended up predicting last week, they actually announced that the remaining one-night-only pay-per-views will actually be taped in Orlando uh, before they end up being done with the Impact Zone. They're taping two uh, two shows on each of the days, and the days are Sunday, March 17th, Saturday, March 23rd, and Sunday, March 24th. So the shows that they have for those are Hardcore Justice 2. They're doing a women's uh, women's tournament on one of them. They're doing a World X Cup on one. They're doing an international incident one. Uh, they're also doing one where they're going to have two rings. I do not have them pulled up here, but that that one will be interesting to see just because I don't know how they'll be able to fit two rings uh, very effectively in the impact zone with the way it's arranged. They also have a... World, uh, well, that's a World Cup of Wrestling one. Uh, and then the other one that I don't think I mentioned was the TNA 10 reunion, where they're going to have stars from the early days of TNA battling inside a six-sided ring. So, uh, I'm not really exactly sure how they're going to be able to plan out all this stuff, because they're going to have a lot of stuff that they're going to have to bring in between two rings, uh, a, a six-sided ring, and then who knows what else they'll end up doing. But uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for some really awesome international names for those shows. I mean, particularly, if we were at least able to just get Prince Devitt alone, that would be enough for me to be happy. But if we're able to even get some really good Lucha talent, I'm also hoping that they decide to bring back Jack Evans, considering that the fact that no one in the United States has used him since Destination X 2011 is, like, downright 
like wowing to me considering how he ended up becoming like trending worldwide on Twitter at the time if I recall correctly and everyone should have been able to try and pick him up even though I know he has his commitments in Mexico but you know still should be able to at least try it but but hopefully by the time uh, those shows get closer they'll start announcing some names for the show as opposed to keeping people in mystery and then surprising even if they at least were able to pull out some decent surprises i would at least like to know in advance what i might be potentially getting but uh that wraps it up for today uh make sure to follow us on twitter at, at free admission fr follow me on twitter at i underscore m underscore hollywood uh going to do some more write-up stuff i actually did a recent write-up on uh fip's uh debut well not debut uh return to i pay-per-view Last week, FIP Everything Burns, that's on the site. Uh, we're going to have the awards coming up very soon, as well as some more write-up stuff. Uh, potentially going to even do some write-up stuff on some of the shows that are airing this weekend. Um, one being uh, New Japan's iPay Reviews this weekend. Uh, Chikara has a couple shows, which we'll post results for. Uh, there's a really awesome-looking doubleheader in New Jersey this weekend of uh, WSU and CCW with one particular match that has me going absolutely uh, crazy because of how awesome it sounds on paper with Adam Cole and Lou Fisto versus Sammy Callahan and Jessica Havoc, which just sounds absolutely insane, quite honestly. I don't even know how the building will be able to withstand that match. But, uh, and also that show has Masada and Christina Von Erie, but <coughs> it's going to be a really fun set of shows. Oh, actually, I got the names backwards. It's uh, Cole and Havoc versus Sammy and Lufisto. Excuse me, but either way, those four in the same ring together is going to be marvelous. And then um, uh, the New Japan show, I mean, with Carl Anderson and Tanahashi, as well as a lot of really other good stuff. There's some good wrestling to look forward to this weekend. So make sure to check some of that out, and until next time, I'm JP Nichols. I will talk to you all again very soon.